From Courtside of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 358. Andrew with you once again. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host and fellow NLSC team member is Derek. You know him in the forum as DV3 and DV384 on Twitter. Happy to be here again. And I actually uh, thought of you last night because I was on my Xbox Series X and I was searching for NBA games and I saw that NBA Jam on Fire edition was available to download uh, the Xbox 360 version. So I think it, w- it was 10 bucks. I bought it and I played a little bit of it uh, a little bit of it last night. And my God, that game is fun. Oh, it is. That is a, it is a jam. Yeah. A lot of people sleep on the EA Sports NBA Jam games. I think because again, it's EA Sports and they have that reputation. But they they did the series justice. I mean, there's there's a lot of jam games out there. I, of course, I did this this past week. I did my NBA Street versus NBA Jam for way back Wednesday. Uh, and there's a lot of jam games, as I said, that were subpar. Uh, mostly the ones made by Acclaim. Um, I, don't th- <laughs> I don't think there was any bad ones by by Midway. And certainly their spinoffs, Hangtime and whatnot, were also very uh, very strong, but the the EA Jam games, it's a shame they didn't continue them because they did a, a really good job with those, a fantastic job, in fact. And On Fire Edition is, uh, I would argue, one of the best, if not the best, arcade sports games, arcade basketball games. Uh, it, it's certainly up there. It, it holds its own against pretty much any other Jam game. I feel. Yeah, I'd say it might be my favorite um, Jam game. I, I think that you know people have talked about EA Sports and they talked about. You know, even things like saying they they lack creativity or there's issues with their animations and stuff like that. But that game is so well animated and the gameplay is so good uh, that I don't know. I, I, I don't know how anybody could say, you know, I, I'd like to see anybody who can, like, say a lot of poor things about NBA Jam on Fire Edition. Like, I, I don't think it has very many weaknesses at all, even from, like, from a graphical standpoint, too. It's really fun to look at. I, 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 I think, think they, it's because it's EA. It, it's an EA game, so I think people just... And, and, of course, EA has done some things from a business standpoint and also a game design standpoint that certainly deserve criticism, don't get me wrong. But I think it's just people apply that to anything and not don't really look at the individual product. And I, I think that's the, the main thing with the EA Jam games is people just say, oh, they're, it's, it's EA, it's, it's inferior, it's not good. But no, they, they actually did a good job with these ones, guys. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of look at that way with Madden as well. I think that Madden is a lot better than people give it credit for, but because it's under EA's umbrella, they automatically you know, say they it's trash or EA is trash. I wish 2K would make a make a football game and all of that stuff. But I'll say again, you know, I have Madden 21 for Xbox Series X. I also have the um, last few Madden games for the PC, and. Those games from an animation perspective, from a graphical standpoint, from a depth standpoint, those are strong games. They are strong NFL games, but people, like you had said, they, some people are sick of Madden, but also it's just the fact that it's under the EA umbrella as well. It's interesting that they've got On Fire Edition. I don't think they do in, the, in PlayStation. I think that's an, just an Xbox thing that they have the 360 games available through to the uh, to the, the to the Xbox Series X. I, I don't think PS5 goes back that far with the. I, I think it's only PS4, the PS4 library that's still digitally available. But uh, I'll double check because that would be awesome if I could play that without having to pull out the uh, the PS3. Because I did actually buy it again on PS3. Um, 
because it was I had some money there in the account and it was, it was on sale. So I thought, well, I, once I got the PS3, I had to build up the library again, even though I already have the games. Of course, you know, and I being the, the crazy collectors that we are, I had to double, triple, quadruple dip whatever with some of these games uh, for the PS3 and build up that library a little bit so I have some stuff to play on that as, uh, as well whenever I pull it out. But uh, I would love to play that on PS5. Uh, again at least uh at least for convenience uh, that's the thing I, I don't mind double dipping when it's when something's on sale for uh for the simple convenience of playing it on the uh, on the on the current hardware yeah i love it uh and like i said only 10 bucks more than worth it absolutely for a game absolutely for that well, you know. uh, yeah, yeah. It, that was great value so when it came that, out for like 20 so yeah yeah exactly uh, you know for the series x I, I have nba live 16 and nba 2k 14 now installed as well so um yeah, it's interesting, and I got the Elgato hooked up, and Elgato works perfectly with it, and I figured out the time shift, you know, the whole being able to take highlights. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Record the last 15 seconds, so I figured that out with Elgato and all of that stuff. I really need to start uploading a couple of videos to my YouTube channel, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's just been tough to find time. So It's always the way as a, uh, <laughs> a content creator in your 30s, of course. But we do get on every week to do this podcast, at least, talk about basketball games. Of, uh, of course, last week we, uh, we talked to, to Andy Hull, from uh, from Storyfort, the co-creator creator of uh, of Dunk Lords, and that's if, if people missed out on that conversation, I definitely recommend going back and listening to that. Uh, of course, listen to uh, our back catalogue if you've missed any episodes. But that was a that was another fun episode to do, Derek, uh, an, an interview with a, a developer, and get of course get the insights into, into how a game was made. And that's one of those things we, we were talking about it before we started recording. Actually, that getting those insights. Some of us we don't always know as gamers what goes into the games or what goes into developing a game i think sometimes we take things for granted or we don't quite have that knowledge of design concepts and certainly coding and programming so getting any kind of insight into that uh, especially an interesting game like dunk lords is uh it was great so once again thanks to andy for, for coming on the show that was fun andy seems like a great guy too uh you know he was talking uh on that show about how, you know, the development cycle, it took him about five years. Uh, the first three years he was doing it by himself, uh, brought in an art guy. Uh, he was talking about design decisions, what he wish he had done, um, what he's glad he did, um, what he would add in the future, you know, the programs that he used, the hardest part of coding, all of that stuff. Just all of those insights are fascinating to me. That, that, that podcast went by real fast. Um, because I was just, enjoying everything that we were talking about in, in the in the in the topics and whatnot run a bit longer than we thought we are trying to keep these shows uh, to about an hour and a half maximum it's it's a promise we can't always keep i'm sure moving forward but uh, but to get into this week's show uh we will be talking a little bit about nba live 20 how some an esrb rating suggested a rather interesting development that obviously didn't happen because the game was cancelled postponed whatever also catching up on some nba 2k 21 topics and uh derek you also revisited nba live 16 recently so we'll be talking a little bit about that and uh, then getting into our mailbag so it's going to be another another fun show no absolutely um a good mixture of you know some games that you know could be coming out in the future some some games that we were hoping came out and then some retro stuff so that's good stuff no, absolutely. So let's get right into it. And as I said, NBA Live 20, there was a recently it came out that the ESRB ratings were for a PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and a PC version. There was no PC version listed among the upcoming releases when NBA Live 20 
appeared to be in the pipeline when it had not been not been formally announced as such, and there were no there was no previews out for it yet, but it looked like it was coming up because it was mentioned among the uh, upcoming titles for EA Sports. There's no PC version there, but apparently they had got an ESRB rating for one, uh, so it looks like there may have actually been a PC version of NBA Live 20, and that's a very interesting development, obviously, Derek, because we weren't expecting it. We haven't had a PC version since NBA Live 08, and it's it's something that we really would have welcomed in our community being able to to mod the game, even if it wasn't up to 2K standards, which is a fairly high bar with how live has been trailing for the whole generation, but getting a PC port uh, would have been huge, and we could have continued updating that, presumably, if we'd found out how to mod it, uh, moving forward while live took another hiatus. Yeah, I mean, it is a shame that they took another break, considering um, they had some momentum with NBA Live 19. We talked about the reviews on it, um, how it was reviewed well, and there was some buzz around it on YouTube videos and, and on social media. I think that it's a, another reason why it's a shame is because NBA 2K20 and NBA 2K21 were not received great. Um, there was still that opening, and that door is still open actually right now, and I think they know that. Uh, I, you know, I had um, an idea that they were working on NBA Live 20 for PS4 and Xbox One, um, that they were getting, you know, working off of that NBA Live 19 structure and just improving it and looking to push out another game. Uh, I am not surprised that they would be coming to PC as we talked about it. They've been bringing Madden to PC, uh, I want to say, since Madden 18 now because of the Origin application. And, you know, you and I talked about before the show about the the better and more enhanced security features in order to prevent pirating and whatnot. I think those a lot of those are in place now, so they don't worry about that as much. Uh, and 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 proof proof in that is that Madden came to the PC. So the the fact that they and they've and another important piece is that they've showed consistency with releasing Madden on PC. They're on the fourth game um, in a row uh, releasing on PC. And also, if I remember correctly, FIFA is also on PC now. It is. It, so I don't think uh, FIFA ever left. I think FIFA's always remained on PC. So there you go, right? So they're still they still have FIFA on PC. I know that I just only recently saw it in the Steam store. Um, yeah, because because yeah. they've been releasing on Steam as well as Origin. They've been having that uh, dual uh, plat- digital platform. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. And I like I said, I already had an idea that they were working on NBA Live 20. It's just too bad that they didn't follow through because a, a, another long break kind of hurts, especially when they had that that structure in place with Live 19. And look, this bodes well for the future of NBA Live if, when it comes back, that it's going to be a PC release. And one of the big things that people have talked about as far as having that PC port is that the current consoles, and of course the latest generation is built on similar architecture to the previous generation that has just been surpassed as of November last year, is that both PS4, PS5, and uh, Xbox One, Xbox Series X run on similar architecture to PCs. So porting to the PC is now much more viable than it was during the 360 PS3 era and whatnot. So there's more possibilities for a PC port without having to really, I, I guess, put a, t- a separate team together to be able to produce that port. They're able to do that much easier. We've seen 2K, obviously, uh, porting throughout the generation with the situation with the current generation they missed because it came out in November and the current-gen version or prior-gen version, whatever you want to call it, came out in uh, in September. So it missed the cut this time around. But, I mean, that's why I'm optimistic about NBA 2K22 coming out on PC because it 
it's going to have that similar situation where it's not as difficult to port as previous generations. It's the timing is, I think, was the main thing when it came to two K twenty two. But it also looks like if we get a live twenty two, then it will come to PC as well. Hopefully through Origin and Steam. But if not, if it's, even if it's just through Origin, it's going to be a PC release. It's going to be uh, digital only, which which has its problems, of course. But it also means that there's less overhead. So. EA is probably more inclined to do it. They don't have to uh, press the discs for the PC version, the same way that 2K don't for the PC version of 2K. So, yeah, it's it's a reason to be optimistic that they were at least looking to do that with Live 20. The game being pushed back for other reasons is disappointing, as you said, but for the future, it looks like the PC version of... Uh, a PC version of NBA Live at some point when it returns is definitely feasible and maybe even likely. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I, I do want to say, though, um, it's too bad that they didn't have the bones in place and the, um, I don't know, maybe team in place or direction in place to get NBA Live 21, mm. a release for NBA Live 21 on PC, and it be the next-gen version for the sheer fact that NBA 2K didn't do that, right? So they could have gotten jump a jump and had the first PS5, Xbox Series X-Gen um pc basketball game pc nba game yeah. um if they had if they had done that um it looks like they're like i said my opinion is is that they're going to be releasing nba live 22 I, I i'm going to stand by that i really think that they're working on it if not at the latest nba live 23 um but you know as we've talked about on many podcasts in the past they can't let this opportunity pass them by that door is completely wide open it is so. it is but at the same time the more years that go past well you know the more years to go past perhaps the more fondness people will uh, have for live, especially because there is that community that is still playing uh, live 19 and really enjoying it, even preferring it to a, to a newer 2k game, despite uh, having some of its issues. And of course, having outdated rosters now, especially with online play. So it's one of those cases of, of absence makes the, uh, <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. And certainly there's less people that are, that attach NBA live to a, a failed product so maybe with enough time passing, it's almost like a brand new franchise coming along to compete in the space in a, in a, in a certain sense. I mean, long-time basketball gamers like you and I will remember the good times and the bad times. Younger gamers, if, if Live 22 comes along and it's a really good game after years, years of separation from kind of a bit of an up-and-down, disappointing generation, then gamers who have never really experienced Live and now are, are looking for something else from two, apart from 2K, it's almost like a fresh new franchise. Yeah, it's funny, you know, teenagers nowadays haven't really experienced many live games, if you really think about it. Um, you know, all growing up, they release every year. Yeah, five uh, in the past decade, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do, I, I still think that the Scott O'Gallagher hire was not for NBA Live Mobile. I think that you don't bring a guy in like that for NBA Live Mobile. Uh, and we talked about Rob Jones and all that stuff. So I do, I, I think we're going to get an NBA Live soon. And it's going to be super exciting, especially if they come into PC. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how fast the modding community is going to jump on that? Definitely, it's, and, it's going to be much like like two K. We're going to be trying it day one. <laughs> See what we can day do. Day one, yeah, exactly. And you know what the the other thing too is, and I don't want to hear anybody say, "Well, what if you can't break into the game, or what if you can't mod it?" Because Madden has they already made an external mod manager. For Madden, um, you can get historical rosters, you can put cyber faces in, you can put all these other mods in, you can change the stadiums and the fields and all of that stuff. So they're already modding Origin games, so I'm not too worried about people being able to jump into it. 
Absolutely. And I think something that we need to remember is back in the day, a lot of the tools we had for games, especially around about the after our founders left, because a lot of the original tools were made by, not all of them, but most of them were made by our founders, Tim Lutz and Brian. So after they left and we kind of had that dearth of, of, of tool developers in our community, there were developers in other EA uh, PC modding communities like the NHL series, like the Madden series, etc. Even Need for Speed, there were people making it because they were all using the same file formats, basically. So we had people from other communities making those tools, and we were able to borrow them, either repurpose them for uh, NBA Live or simply use them as is to edit the files. And now if we have these other communities like a Madden, the possibility of being able to borrow uh, their tools and repurpose them for NBA Live either by changing things around or simply just using them as is or using them as a base to create new tools. The possibilities to share that technology between modding communities, it, it was so important back in the day and would be, would be again if we do get the PC version of NBA Live. Well, the same thing happened with Pro Evolution Soccer. I mean, there's still people that use tools that they use for Pro Evolution so- um, Soccer on some of the NBA games for PC for modding. Um, and the same with uh, like cyberface creation and whatnot. People use a pro evolution soccer tutorials because they, those tutorials work for NBA 2k mm. for those cyberface making if for cyberface making, etc. So yeah, I mean, there's already a community in place that's modding Madden and you're telling me that, you know, some of those people who make those tools or are involved in that community are also, you know, are, are, you know, that some of them wouldn't be interested in the NBA side of things. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we, it will be worth yeah. reaching out if and when that happens. The other thing that I'm interested to see as far as live coming back to the PC is how people will embrace it. Because it was, because when EA decided to make that, uh, decided to drop the PC uh, version, I should say, a lot of people, uh, of course, again, you know, EA does have that reputation as we talked about at the top of the show there. People have their reasons to dislike EA, but a lot of people took it very personally when EA stopped making NBA Live for PC, which I, I was as disappointed as anybody else, don't get me wrong, disappointed that we no longer got a PC version, disappointed that they weren't even trying to port the 360 PS3 version across to PC, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally with people on that. But people took it really personally, what was most likely a business decision, a, a decision made based on the resources they had available, whether they had the size of the team to to make it, whether it, was, whether it was financially viable to, to do a PC version at that time, and why they just dropped it, why it was no longer a priority. Uh, then 2K, of course, because 2K had no interest in, in the PC version until EA left. So, but then they, they ended up looking like they were coming in to save the day, even though previously they'd indicated no interest in doing a PC port. Uh, but, but yeah, people took it very personally and you know swore off, I'll never buy an EA product again. I'll, I'm interested to see if anybody will actually change their mind, because we do have a few of those people still around in the community. And look, if, if that's their decision, that's their decision. But it, it's funny how people do still hold that grudge over something that was not... It, it wasn't personal. It, it wasn't that EA wasn't sitting around, let's, let's screw PC gamers. You know, it, it was... It, it's, it's one of those things where you can be disappointed, but taking it personally, I think, is, is just taking it too far. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to hold anybody back in 2021 or 2022 or whatever from buying the new NBA Live game or, or, or entertaining the idea on pc it's been too long uh i do want to point something out though and i'm sure you've thought about this i think one of the reasons why they were started releasing madden on pc and why you know pc gaming is kind of getting more exposure and and people are releasing more more on pc now is uh the number of people that 
want to stream and the number of people that want to upload high quality YouTube videos, yeah. uh, the number of people that understand that the quality of these PC games and the quality of streaming and all of that stuff um, can exceed what they get on on console. You know, we talk about this, you know, as far as like sharing highlights, even for like Xbox series uh, X, you know, you can't do it in as high quality as you want. And you couldn't do that. The same thing with Xbox one or PS4 or whatnot, but on PC, your options are endless. That's, as far that's, as that's true. Yeah. 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 So I think that they understand that even if the player base isn't even close to as big as on, as on uh, console for the next NBA live, that, they are going to get so much exposure from people who buy it on PC and stream it and share videos in super high quality. So I think that they, they understand that it's going to make the game look better. It's going to give the game more exposure. And even if people are watching those videos and they don't end up buying it for PC, it still gets them a console sale. So, um, you know, a console version sale. So, yeah, I think that that's a big part of this is the fact that it's very well known at this time that PC can achieve better quality and there's more flexibility as far as streaming and sharing and all of that stuff. And of course, if the overheads are going to be lower because it's digital distribution only, the architecture, again, the ease of porting to PC these days compared to the architecture of a 360 and PS3 uh, era consoles, then it's something that they're going to look at because it is much easier and financially viable, uh, perhaps more so than it used to be. Don't have to develop that separate uh, version. Maybe just get a couple of people who can work on some PC specific uh, UI and troubleshooting and, and so forth. You're going to have to do something because, of course, there's not standard hardware. But it, it's look, looking like it's going to be much easier to do with the with the current generation as it was last generation. Although, of course, EA didn't explore that. And, and one final thing about the people that are boycotting. I mean, look, do what you will. Uh, if you want to hold a grudge, then that is your right. Uh, I, I think it is taking things too far. But I would also put out there. Because a lot of those people, I think, are also complaining about 2K and how they've gotten lazy. So if you're going to complain about 2K and say we need a competitor, but then you're also going to snub the only competitor in the space just because of an ancient grudge, I think the only person that you're really uh, punishing there is yourself. Yeah, and and we want to I want to point something out. We talked about this before the the call. You know, the developers didn't make the decision to have P- live not on PC anymore. That's the suits. That came from above, right? So the people that are on the ground actually making this game, you know, the developers, the the people who, like, made Live 16 and, and Live 18 and Live 19, the people who, you know, did put their blood, sweat, and tears in it and tried to make the best basketball game possible, you got to think about them when you think about a new game also coming out because those developers are not the ones who made that decision, right? They're not the ones who said, hey, no, we're not going to release Live on PC. That direction came from the company, from, like, up above. So, you know, and, and for people what, that are no longer there anymore as well. So, you know, right. Stop holding a grudge against everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, look at the big picture. And if they're going to release on PC and, you know, you look at it and you're like, man, this game looks really good and the graphics look good and the gameplay looks good. And hey, these, you know, it's the preview season and this looks great. I, I'm going to have to, get, you know, I should probably try the demo. Don't like hold like there's still passionate people working on these games. Who no, love no basketball? Question. Yeah. You can still appreciate them, right? And you can still appreciate those games. So we will see what happens there. Uh, it, it was interesting to see that it looked like Live Twenty was going to come out on PC, and hopefully that is a, a good sign for the future. And, and I think it is. I think we can agree on that. 
But uh, moving to a game that is out, of course, NBA 2K21, out on the current-gen platforms, the prior-gen platforms, which is also where the PC version comes from, and, of course, the new PS5 and uh, Xbox Series X version. Uh, one of the cool features of recent years has been the start today in my league and now my NBA, the ability to start a season part the way through with results from the real NBA, and it's a, a starting point apart from the uh, from the off-season or the start of the season, which has been, uh, been the traditional options with uh, with the franchise modes. Uh, unfortunately, it, it it wasn't something they were able to do this year with uh, with the start of the season because, of course, it was it was all it was up in the air because of the uh, the pandemic and the season being pushed back and last season coming bleeding into what normally would have been the off-season and and then the indeed the start of the uh, the preseason or even actually the start of the. With 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 the starting dates of recent years, basically the start of the end of last season was kind of like the start of what it would have been the start of the new season. So it, it did affect the games, obviously, as we we knew it would. But there, there was talk before the season, Derek, that they were going to push through the updated schedule and then eventually get uh, my uh, start today working for my league and my NBA. It appears that's not the case. Uh, Brian Mazik reached out to uh, reps at Two K to ask about it, and apparently the the current word is that. They haven't completely ruled out doing it, but it, it's looking like it's not going to happen this year. They're not going to be able to uh, support that feature. It, it's currently grayed out with the you know, available when the season starts, which of course it already has. So, it, but it's looking like th- that it's not going to happen this year, which which I can understand because of the situation with the pandemic and the season starting late and not being able to put that information and have anything set up in time for release. Uh, I, I think it's it was a mistake to kind of promise that it might be patched in and then not do it. But I think the big thing is that, and obviously it's nice to get an answer about it and have some kind of clarity, but once again, it's one of those situations where somebody in the community, uh, a content creator, journalist, whatever, has to reach out to 2K and kind of prompt them to to answer a question that they really should be giving us information about uh, unprompted. Yeah, they should be proactive about that, especially because, like you said, it was a popular feature uh, that people were using, um, and they have ample ways to communicate that you know through all the different social media platforms um they can do like a like a press release or or whatever yeah i I think it's it it, like we understand that you know so let's put it this way i understand how hard it could be to do something like that because so i play you know for fun i play things like FanDuel or or DraftKings or and whatnot and you know a lot of times like 10 minutes before an hour before a game is supposed to be played they call it off Right. So like they'll they'll say this this team doesn't have enough players to field a team. Um, so the game is canceled. So I can understand how stuff like that, like if they're trying to keep like it dynamic and try to keep it updating, how it would take a lot more resources in order to make everything work and accurate as far as like keeping that up to date, the season up to date and all of that stuff. So I think people would understand it. But like you said, there's a lack of transparency that rubs people the wrong way. It's like this feature was there. It was told we were going to have it. It's grayed out. Why is it grayed out? And why does it take him reaching out to get an answer? Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who can't appreciate the fact that the, the infrastructure wasn't updated, that the, the because the schedule that they've got for the, both my career and my league, or my NBA now in the, in PS5 starts with uh, starts in December, December sixth. Whereas of course the season actually started much later, December twenty second. Uh, so there are things that they couldn't do by the start of the game, by the release, and pushing it through. There's stuff under the under the hood. There was actually a great thread about things that 
uh, that developers can't just do. And it, I recommend, I retweeted it. I recommend uh, giving it a read because it does go through a lot of things that perhaps we take for granted or we think that easier said that are easier said than done. But we think they're very easy to accomplish, but they're not. Uh, so it, it's one of those things. And I, I think people, for the most part, will understand and would and do understand that there are limitations there that that they hoped they could do it, but now they found they can't. Fair enough. But but yes, it is that transparency. And we've seen this a lot with 2K over the years, is that they, if they have bad news, or it, it's not the news that's going to make the, the game look good, it's not, it's not something that people can get excited about, they've, they're very reluctant to come forward with it. Which, again, I understand that too. But I think people get much angrier about not getting an answer, or having to push for an answer, or, or, or simply being lied to or misled, or, or just hearing silence than they are about hearing the bad news. And it goes back to things like crew mode, when they would just kind of skim over that and skim over that until at the very last second, they're kind of, oh yeah, crew mode's not in this year, crew mode's not in the game this year, are they? Yeah, you know. If they'd come out at the start and said that and not strung people along or, or or made people force an answer out of them, people would have, would appreciate the transparency and and actually being given a straight answer. And and that's what's, what stings the most, because... You're going to get over bad news. Well, obviously, as we as we mentioned, some people are still holding grudges against EA, so some people won't get over the news possibly. But I think I think most people are at the end at the end of the day reasonable, and if you give them a, a reasonable explanation and straightforward and open and, and transparent about it, people will grumble and they'll be disappointed, but they'll say, okay, that makes sense. You know, at, at least we know. But to, to have to force that answer out of them, at least they did give an answer when asked, but it shouldn't come to that. Right, but I think what the biggest thing with this is if they come out and say, "Hey, guys, we couldn't do this," it makes them look weak. It makes them mm, like for for them yeah. to believe it makes them weak, or that their infrastructure looks weak, or they don't have the team in place to be able to do this, or they're incompetent and all of that stuff. So I think that that's the biggest reason why they sit on this stuff and and they'll you know, you know we talked about things like silent updates for the roster issues, right? You know, I can show a million roster issues and they can like they can see the thread, but there is no way in hell you would ever see them go on social media, Reddit, Twitter, or any other site or anything like that, or do a release press release or anything like that stating, Hey guys, listen, we didn't put any, you know, the appropriate amount of time and resources into the roster. So yeah, the players are made incorrectly. So we're going to go in and do some updates. Like there's no way that they would do that because it makes them look incompetent or weak or that that wasn't a priority, et cetera, and they don't want people to look at the company that way. So that's really the um, the biggest reason, in my opinion. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, about the schedule is I didn't expect it to line up because the reason why it doesn't line up in PS5 and Xbox Series X is because they're tailoring it to an 82-game season, and this is a 72-game season. So basically the reason why it starts like 20 days before the action when in the video game, 20 days before then it actually started in real life, is because they have to make it an 82-game season instead of a 72-game season. It, it's yeah. funny, actually. That reminds me, the NBA, of course, NBA Live 99 was one of the first games uh, greatly affected by the lockout, the very first lockout that uh, cost uh, the, the cost games, removed games from, from the schedule. And Live 99, one of its, uh, what, its, its first patch, actually added the 50-game schedule to NBA Live 99. And if you chose the 50-game option, for that first year it had the 50 games, and then it switched back to 82 for the next nine years if you did a multi-season mode so it's, it's funny that ea actually did that in in uh, 1999 uh, so it you'd think it would be possible of course again it's it's a different situation different coding 
and whatnot. And of course, the, the start today is a whole other uh, kettle of fish as far as making that work. But uh, yeah, they, funnily enough, they actually did that with NBA Live 99. They accounted for that short season and also then uh, subsequent seasons, because that was the first year they did multi-season mode. It, it wasn't the full franchise experience that would come in NBA Live 2000, but they did actually add that 50 games that were then switched back to 82, which is uh, quite interesting they did that. That's a beautiful thing when you see touches like that. Mm. Right, I love seeing stuff like that. I mean, it would have been cool if, you know, and I understand why it's not in place, um, but, you know, for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X version of 2K21, if they had done, like, 28-game season option, 50-game season option, 72-game season option, and 82-game, right? Yeah. Because then at least for those people who want to play a current season, they could at least choose that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I want to make another point, too. As far as teams, and this is a little bit kind of off the rails here, but, you know, teams not being, they're saying, oh, well, they this, this team only has seven players, they can't field a team, or whatever. Why not? Yeah. Why is seven players not enough? Because that's the rule, but the, 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 the rule wasn't made in the middle of a global pandemic, so it's kind of like... I mean, you know, I'm not trying to compare NBA to men's league, but, you know, we'll play with four guys. Yeah. You know, we'll play yeah. with five guys. College play, you know, why, yeah, you know, seven guys, seven guys is enough to fill, fill, uh, field the team. That's two subs and five on the court. And so, you know, I'm looking at all these games getting canceled and the amount of money that these athletes make and all the fans who are disappointed when games are canceled, pick up your ball and play. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just, it just blows my mind. The amount of games that we're seeing canceled due to a team having only six or seven guys. I, I Play think the game. we'll have more to say about that in the uh, upcoming uh, holding court, I imagine, with some of the things that have happened, of course, the, the James Harden trade and whatnot. Uh, stay tuned for uh, for that coming up very soon. Uh, I want to get back to your point about um, about looking weak or, or looking incompetent. And, and I think that's definitely a thing, that, it, that to admit to any kind of inability to do something, uh, although, of course, they kind of do retroactively in the developer blocks, I suppose, year after year these days. Uh, that that definitely does strike me now that you bring it up as a, as a likely reason for it, but that that just gets me uh, that just annoys me because it's the same logic I feel, and this, this is not me disagreeing with your reasoning, but me disagreeing with uh, that point of view for them to adopt that is that it's it's kind of like doubling down on an idea when you know it's wrong because you think admitting that you were wrong is the less moral stand or the weaker stand than somehow. St- stubbornly sticking with a point with, that you've been proven wrong on. I, I think it's much more uh, morally upstanding, much more in- intellectually upstanding to say, you got me, you know, you know well argued that <laughs> I was wrong about that. To admit that you were wrong rather than double down on a, a, a bad and incorrect argument, it, that's one of the things that really gets me about discourse these days. And we see that a lot. We've talked about that on podcasts and, of course, on Holding Court as well as far as the real NBA discourse is concerned. Um, so, so I can see where they're coming from with it, but I, I think, and maybe I'm just myopic about this, I'm just thinking of my point of view, but I, I do think a lot of people would accept honesty and honesty over uh, a lack of transparency and say, okay, well, yeah, th- this is easier said than done. You, you were dealt a bad hand, especially this year with the pandemic uh, tra- uh, postponing the NBA and everything. There's only so much you can do, you know, you, you couldn't do it this year, especially since they said that they they indicated that they would be doing it, that, they, that, they'd be, that they'd be patching it in. The fact that they threw that out there, I think, you need to follow up on that. 
Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the amount of eyes on them, it's not like a one-on-one conversation. The amount of uh, eyes on them and the audience that they have is astronomical. And the hiding weakness is probably one of the number one priorities to protect the brand, right? To protect the company, et cetera. And that is... Like I said, that, in my opinion, it's the same thing with the roster uh, example that I use. That is the reason why, you know, there is no coming out and saying, hey, you know, we messed up. Or, hey, this is why it can't happen. Or, hey, you know, the blah, blah, blah. So, you know, one thing that EA did that I actually appreciated, even though, obviously, the silence is deafening, like we said before, as far as, like, their social media handle and how they handle the NBA Live series, is they did do that post on social media that said, hey, guys, listen we're not going to be releasing a game because we want to make sure that we make a a truly great game basically when we come back. So um, that was some transparency that I think at the time we said we appreciated Um, the fact that we don't have everything. Basically they, they implied we don't have everything in place right now to make the game that we want to make and we don't want to disappoint you. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take this break, and we're going to make sure we come back strong on the new gen. So that transparency is fantastic. I'm not saying that EA Sports does a good job job of marketing or communicating as far as their NBA series goes. We all know that's not true. Um, but that's the type of stuff that we wish we saw more from 2K. I mean, look, we can be cynical. People can be cynical about this and snarky and say, well, EA has a lot of, uh, lot of experience delivering bad news when it comes to the NBA Live series. But at the same time, they have been pretty forthcoming about things. Yes, the silence is deafening, but at the same time, when there has been problems with games, they've acknowledged the problems, acknowledged the negative feedback or the negative response and solicited feedback. So they have, they've been pretty good about that over the past generation. And yes, a lot of practice, but they've also not shied away from it. I know when we had Sean O'Brien on the podcast, he was very candid about the situation with NBA Live, but wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. So that, that we, do, we do kind of appreciate that. Uh, that honesty and and that's the irony with the way that 2k approaches this is that by trying to avoid looking bad sometimes they end up looking worse by the lack of transparency absolutely and we talked about that too with like the rosters (laughs) right exactly well like that too but like not fixing issues you know like 2k share being down for like a month where you couldn't even share rosters and then like them not saying anything about it and just hoping that people wouldn't talk about it, not not coming out and saying, hey, yeah, guys, 2K share is down. You know, we're trying to get it back up or anything like that. It was just like a whole month of 2K share not working and they were just not saying anything about it. Um, and then, like you said, if it's a VC glitch, they patch it day one, uh, make sure they, they fix it. But then when it comes to something like that, they're silent about it and they don't fix it right away. So, yeah, they haven't won any. Um, you know, I want to point something out, though. You and it, and this is true. And I'm not trying to silence our own criticism or anything like that, but how many people are talking about this like you and I? So they know that they can get away with it. Am I yeah. wrong? Yeah. So that's the thing is they had roughly 10 million downloads, over 10 million downloads for NBA 2K20. Um, I think it was roughly around the same number for NBA 2K19 and whatnot. How many of those people are looking into these things like we are? How many people are having this conversation? How many people even know who to point the finger to? You know what I mean? How many people are even talking about it this way? So I think that the thing is, is that um, we're very passionate about basketball video games. Um, We have huge collections. Uh, You know, we care about the way they communicate and the things they address and, and, you know, what they pick and choose to address and whatnot. 
but I think that they can get away with this and they know they can just like with all the roster issues. They, um, they can. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, people, you do see, you do see people mentioning it. You do see some people sharing our criticisms and that's always uh, heartening to see, but you also get the people that are pushing back on it and saying, Oh, who cares? Or, you know, you're just whining or whatever, or this isn't important, which some, some things are more important to some people than others, but it's, it's these, it's the refusal to stand with your fellow gamers. It's, it's starting with the company and it is definitely the, the loudest voices in the community, the influencers who are just going along with it and not pointing this out because there is a way to point this stuff out without being nasty about it and, and losing your perks. Hopefully you, you would hope that 2k would at least take it on board. Uh, but yeah, it, not having those, strong voices, the loud voices of the community talking about it, it, it definitely, and, sh- and even indeed sometimes shutting down the criticism, yeah, it, it does not help the situation whatsoever. Uh, as far as the keeping us informed, I mean, isn't that what the Twitter account is for, the social media? Obviously to promote the game, yes, and they're going to do that. But like you said, couldn't they just send out a tweet saying, hey, we're working on the issue with uh, with 2K Share, we're keeping you informed by trying to sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not happening, they end up looking worse and it, it does come down to having that team that communicates with us and we'll be getting a little bit into that in the mailbag actually being able to have that communication and, and the way that 2K has communicated with us over the past decade or so and yeah, it, it's it's just ironic really that it's uh, they end up looking worse for trying to look better Yeah, no, and I, and I completely agree with that I think that their social media accounts and their people who like Ronnie 2k who are working um, on social media for them and outreach and all that stuff. And the Chris Mannings in the world and, and those people who are on those platforms, what they're doing is they're promoting the features of the game. They're promoting the fit. They're pro- the, the um, you know, we talked about the main NBA 2k t- handle constantly pushing the city and, and, and your fit and, you know, it, 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 look what this guy's copying, you know, you should get this, etc. That's cards. more what it's a, Right, right. It's 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 more. That's more what it's about. It, it's if, if they were on there talking about their roster issues and they were talking about, um, you know, things that they haven't patched. You know, issues with the game and all of that stuff. They know that that would look like weakness. Mm. So of course they're not going to do that. So, but but I would also argue in a way that it also shows strength and conviction that that they can that they have the confidence to solicit that from the feedback from the feedback from their audience that they have that trust in the audience, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, you and I both yeah. Yeah, in that. Yeah, 100%. I, the transparency, in my opinion, whether it's coming from a big company, a small company, uh, you know, a face-to-face conversation or social media inter- interaction, all of that stuff, transparency is so important. I mean, me. yeah, I mean, it, um, it, it shows guts. It shows guts to acknowledge that. Character, guts. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, no, I completely agree with you. And I'm de- in no way am I saying that they're right by not posting that on, on social media or letting people know. I just see why they're doing it. Mm. And uh, No, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. And it's one of those things that won't really change until there is a strong competitor in the space, which is uh, something we've talked about many times before. And, of course, as we said, NBA Live 22, hopefully it does happen, and uh, we, we shall see. But until then, uh, you've gone back recently, as we said, and been playing some NBA Live 16. Uh, I actually did that recently, of course, as I finished up the 25th anniversary of NBA Live retrospectives last year. I went back and played a little bit of that. So yeah, you have some impressions to share, some some thoughts about playing, picking up the game up again. Uh, yeah, so what have you been thinking uh, playing that game again? Yeah, so I install, reinstalled, not reinstalled, I installed NBA Live 16 for Xbox on the Xbox Series X, and I'm playing it last night. My brother's... Um, watching me as well he had to go to bed early but he was watching before he went to bed and um 
they did a lot of cool things with this game and it is too bad that the servers are off because i almost wanted to jump into ultimate team but um they did a lot of cool things with this game and it, it just it actually kind of frustrated me for the fact that um they were so close to creating such a great product and they just fell short in a few gameplay aspects and design feature choices, etc. But one of the coolest things about NBA Live 16 is the camera view they start you out in. I don't know if you, you know, it, it's almost like a throwback to the old NBA Live games. It's they, I think they call it EA Sideline or something like that in the game, but it gives you almost like that isometric. Yes, yes, camera I remember. View. Yeah, yeah. And what a. And I don't even use that as my main camera view. I still use, like, the regular ESPN broadcast. But what a cool way to jump into the game. And the game looks so cool and unique from that camera view. And But anyway, I'm playing the game, and I just see so many good things about it. The lighting, um, the overall player models on, on most of the players, even though some of them look a little bit too bulky. Um, some of the dunk animations around the hoop. Some of the shooting animations, like Russell Westbrook's is spot on. Durant's looks good, etc. Um, and I'm just, I'm torn. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, this looks, this looks great, but that they could have done so much more with it and really made it stand out. And, you know, the other thing about NBA Live 16 that when I was playing it is, is one of the things they messed up big time with is the lack of authenticity where you, you can't do wide crossovers. There's no like big moves, right? They're all like little dribbles hmm. always, no matter which player that you use. So there's no real explosion. Your first steps don't look realistic. They don't feel realistic. You, like, you don't really feel like it's NBA action playing NBA Live 16. So I think from a gameplay perspective, that's probably my, the, the biggest weakness uh, for me. But yeah, anyway, I, I did install it on the Series X, and it was just a mixture of feelings of, hey, you know, this they did so many good things, but then also disappointment that they didn't go a little bit further. You know, somebody responded to my retrospective in, on Twitter and said that it was because I'd mentioned in the, uh, the promotion for it that I, basically my opinion from the retrospective or a brief snippet of that opinion that it was another step forward from Life 15 and one of the best of the uh, the, re the rebuild, reboot generation, whatever you want to call it, certainly the PS4, X1 generation. And th this person disagreed, which I, certainly, you know, that's that's fine. You know, we all have our own opinions. But uh, I was surprised because Life 15 was an improvement on Life 14, which is not saying much because that's a low bar. But it, it was a significant improvement, Life 15, I, I felt. I, I played that game a lot. Uh, but it was still kind of rough, still kind of clunky. And, and 16 did clean up a lot of stuff with the player movement, the smoothness of it, and the animations. Um, it does lack that explosiveness, as you said. It lacks some of the authenticity as far as NBA strategy it's the last game in the series that really focused on both the NBA and the new streets, because that was the first year we had the live pro-am with the uh, street venues, which which I think was a great idea. Of course, I, I was at the community event uh, and played that uh, early. I had the early hands-on impressions of that. But from from those impressions and from that early look I had at Live 16, and I did impress this upon developers and uh, then community manager AJ. I said there are people who are going to look at this game and see no improvements to franchise, dynasty no roster editing and they're going to say no thanks which is what happened because it was still not a well-rounded enough product and then they started to focus on on the streets or what would become the streets and you can kind of see the the focus shifting with towards life pro-am and you can kind of the writing is kind of on the wall where they have erred in the games that came after that 18 and 19 
but it's it's still pretty balanced. The, the NBA side of things is still a lot better than than it was in eighteen and nineteen. I feel, and it was certainly an improvement on fifteen as far as the feel on the sticks. So Live sixteen, I think, was a, a very solid release. Funnily enough, I think it was actually kind of better at the community event, and I, I don't know whether it was just the excitement of being there or whatnot, whatnot. But I, I feel there was a few tweaks they made after I played it, and, and this is always the case. You know, people have said, "Why didn't you notice this at the community event?" Well, it didn't feel like that in the build that I played, <laughs> but you know, the, I didn't play the final build, so that's always the thing, and that's why it's so tough to put your reputation on the line. As cool as it is to get flown in, of course, and take part in those events, there's always going to be that situation where you end up putting your reputation on the line and if something changes then you look like a liar that's a shame um obviously but no i think live 16 was is a very strong uh release if they had continued to build on that if they had that explosiveness if they had had roster editing which of course they did patch into live 18 but if they if they added that bit more depth if they'd been able to fix up those issues as you said just a bit more realistic nba strategy they would have really been on the right track yeah, I think it's frustrating. Um, real quick before I jump into that, it's really frustrating when you see a game, at, like a demo state of the game or, or a, a pre-release version of the game, like with Live 19, um, NBA 2K21, etc. When you see the demo version and it plays a certain way and it's better, and then you see the actual release day version that everybody gets and it doesn't play as well. Mm. I mean, I don't think that's a secret. Like you said, that sometimes they're using different builds. And it's almost like, you know, why didn't you guys stick with that? Like, I don't care if it was an old build. If it plays better, it plays better. Yeah. Um, as as far as NBA Live 16, I, I think I think you hit it on the head as far as, like, their biggest weakness overall outside of the gameplay features that I mentioned was the depth. And, you know, you couldn't – you can't even play on the, on the same team in, you know, locally. You can't play on the same team in a, in a season, in a franchise. Like, my brother and I can't do it. Um, you can't use more than one team in a season in in a, in a French in a dynasty or whatever. Um, you, like you said, it overall, the game was bare bones, uh, as far as features and, and and whatnot, where, where you can see that they did try is like you had stated, they did try graphically and, you know, uh, and more on the, on the NBA side. And I, and I definitely agree with that. I feel more authenticity even with NBA lives 16 on the NBA side than I do with NBA live 19. Definitely. which came out years yeah. later. Yeah. Um, so I definitely noticed that, and I could feel the NBA presence when I was playing last night in NBA Live 16, and sometimes I'm playing NBA Live 19 and everything just feels generic, right? So um, I definitely can agree with that. And I just love the graphics direction that they went in. I love the isometric camera that they provided. It really felt like with NBA Live 16, they were trying to bring back the glory days with certain things. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope that they they approach NBA Live 22 with that mindset. You know, maybe include an NBA Live Classic camera, like an isometric camera. Maybe not make it the main camera, but make it that make an make it an option. You know, pay tribute to some of the things that made some of those games great. You know, like bring back some all decade teams or a Legends pool, or you know, let us do more editing and customization and stuff, and let us jump into a season with multiple teams, etc. There's just so many different things that they need to do or bring back. That is the problem with live, is, is looking at, okay, how do we do something new and innovate, which they obviously should be doing, and how can we be different from 2K? And you do need to be different from 2K in certain things, either to have a hook or to avoid some of the missteps that 2K has made either way. But bringing back having those staples, and we've talked about this so many times before, and it remains as true today as it was in all the other times we've mentioned it, having those staples is important. So do we really need a playoffs mode anymore? 
Yes, you do. Do we need roster editing and all this depth in roster editing or depth in franchise? Yes, you do. You actually, you absolutely need to have that so that you can cater to that whole audience. Not just this, quote, uh, younger, new demographic, which doesn't exist because that demographic is playing 2K. So you need to appeal to them in, by doing at least some of the things that 2K is doing. Uh, maybe in your own way, maybe in your own way, but you need to appeal to them. And they haven't been doing it. And Live 16... Yeah, that camera angle, you know, that's that's one of those little things you can do as well. Obviously, getting the depth there, but having those little throwbacks. Uh, a, it appeals to the older gamers, which the people who would have that loyalty and uh, fondness and nostalgia for NBA Live, so it appeals to them. But it's also some cool ideas that they were... So there's, there's no reason to not do those cool ideas, because they were cool, you know, and, and they will work today. So, to do them. Yeah, you know, the other thing, too, I want to point out is the presentation on NBA Live 16 might be the best of almost any NBA Live game ever made. As far as the introductions and the players in the huddle and Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy and then the halftime show and then the post game and all of that stuff, the presentation they just knocked out of the park in that regard. Um, The scoreboard, all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm looking at this game and, you know, they, you know, they went the cheaper route too and they've got jay williams and we've already talked about how terrible he is so you know they got rid of some of their really true fine presentation elements of nba live 16 in order to go cheaper and that that's not the way you're going to win fans no that's not the way to win back people and everything is by going cheaper it's not going to work um, not when 2k is getting bigger no. and better when 2k is just trying to do all these things and you're not going to catch up but you, especially in a year or two but you are definitely not going to catch up if you go cheaper and smaller and cheaper Right, exactly. And you know what? That stuff is important. That presentation stuff is important. It is. And you talk about, we talk about the lighting, and I talked about this with NBA Live 19. Some people thought it looked pretty good, but they kind of went dark, dark and dull a little bit with the crowds and the overall atmosphere and everything and the overall action. They went from NBA Live 16, which looked completely different than 2K, um, and it was bright. It was, you know, the the players looked different. The body types were great. All of that stuff. They went from the NBA Live 16 look, which really stood out, to that NBA Live 19 look. So, um, of dark and dreary and dull. So, you need to make your game stand out from a graphical presentation, feature, and gameplay standpoint. And you can't pull, you know, you, you can't, like, go cheap on it. Because you're not going it, to, it's going to show if you go cheap on it. And of course, you have to base it on the NBA experience as well, because as much as 2K has made has erred in, in that uh, in that sense in recent years, the experiences they've built, especially going with the playground and pro am and everything else, it still comes back to a, a pretty strong core, a stronger NBA core than Live has had in recent years. It's built off the NBA experience. It expands out from being an NBA sim, and that's where Live is tried to skip over that and, and introduce this street stuff and it's and people say oh well it's kind of time, kind of moving in the way of having nba street because i haven't done a street game in years but my problem with live 19 and and why live 16 was kind of that last game that really got the balance right live 19 was trying to be a mixture of live and street but without doing either one of them particularly well because it wasn't wacky and crazy and loose enough to be a street game and it wasn't realistic enough to be a live game. And that's my big problem. And I said that in my retrospective, is that they, it was kind of a game without an identity, except perhaps to, to push the streets, or the one, the one edition as it was. But that wasn't a strong enough identity at its core. The core experience didn't know what it wanted to be. It was kind of trying to be a couple of different games that EA has done, live and street, 
and not really doing it again a good enough job of being either of them. Let me point this out though, and this is and this is the truth, and you know it. The NBA is what sells NBA 2K. Of course. If yeah. you change the name, if you change the name of NBA and you called it like Basketball 2K, and it didn't have the NBA license, how fast would those sales fall? Oh yeah, that's the thing. Is, is the NBA is still the biggest part of these games. The, the NBA is still the biggest marketing factor. The the NBA is still what draws the people in. That's why the NBA still needs that focus. And the NBA is global. You know what the you know what about NBA that is why people it can work on so many different people is because you don't have to play basketball to enjoy the NBA or to enjoy the the athletes or to enjoy the um that product and whatnot which is why it can reach so many millions of people whether they're good at basketball bad at basketball or even play basketball right because it's the names it's the stars it's the logos it's the courts it's it's uh, it's the drama all of that stuff of the nba so the fact that anybody can say something like well ea sports should just take the nba out and go full street or they should just do street nba um, which is another thing that people were saying, like, oh, just, you know, take the, just make another street game and, and forget the NBA portion. You guys aren't thinking big picture. No. Like, you're definitely not thinking big picture in that way because the NBA and five-on-five -five basketball, quote-unquote simulation, all of that stuff, is what people are into. That's what it is. If, if you are going to do an NBA street game, also you need, you need to do that properly with the right tech and the right approach and the right mechanics which NBA Live doesn't have. Even the best NBA Live games, you know, I, I look back at the NBA Live Street uh, 2003 uh, mod for NBA Live, 2003, uh, NBA Live 2003 PC, which is probably the best game. If you're going to make an arcade mod, <laughs> Live 2003 is the best game to make that out of with its mechanics. But even so, it's still not quite a jam or a street game because it's not designed to be. It's designed to be, and people say, oh, NBA Live is not arcade. It's always, it's, NBA Live is arcade. It's not, not sim. It's it's a sim game, people. It's not necessarily being of the quality or the depth or the realism that we want to see, but it's five on five with rules and mechanics that are based on reality. Jam, street, playgrounds, dunk lords, those are arcade games. Live may not be everything we want out of a sim game, but it is a sim style, sim oriented game. So right, you, you, no, you, you, can't, you can't you can't make that completely into a, a jam or, an, or a street experience because the mechanics are not arcade. Right, and they do have the resources and know how to make in the tech and everything today to make a great street game that sure. would sell on its own. You know that and would should. be and they should it would sell if it's made right. If it is made right, we've talked about arcade games that sell like crazy. I've already talked about Rocket League. Um, you know, they sell like crazy, and people are interested in them, and people will promote them, and, you know, influencers will make videos and all of that stuff, and they'll stream them. There is no way in hell that if a game, if, if a street NBA game or an arcade NBA game is made, there's no, and it's made well, there's no way in hell that that game wouldn't sell. Exactly. Like, that game will yeah. sell, and it will get promoted. So... so Live 16, maybe the... I, I feel it was the last really good, well-rounded release uh, in the live series to date, 18 and 19. Had their strong points, but I think the, the focus just wasn't there to make them as uh, the same way it was in Live 16. Funnily enough, with Live 16, I would have played it more if I... A, wasn't enjoying 2K16 as much as I did, and B, <laughs> the problem with Ultimate Team is because I did play it at the community event, Derek, I'd played with all the debug packs, so I was able to actually get... like I put together this really ridiculous 
pretty much got all the stars I wanted out of the packs because they were there for testing the uh, debug packs. So I got all the stars there, and I was playing Ultimate Team at the community event with all that. And then you have to—it's—it's st- it's hard enough starting over every year with a blank, with with a a weak team in my team or Ultimate Team. But because I'd already played it with all the players that were going to come out through the course of the year, I uh, I kind of ruined it for myself actually. Yeah, one thing with NBA Live 16 Ultimate Team, I really enjoyed it was the challenge of it, but it is really tough to jump in and start fresh and use like guys like Tony Roten for like eight games. Mm. Um, and like the the bottom of the the barrel, basically NBA players that they give you when you first open your packs and you're playing and you're like, my God, this is I, I it's really hard to win, by the way. And you know this. It's very hard to win, like, domination games and stuff like that when you're uh, – I don't think it's called domination. Uh, well, that's but... the thing. Ultimate Team didn't have enough meat, especially when you look at what they've done with my team in recent years with all the different challenges and every all the different sub-modes. Uh, live uh, – well, depth, again, is, is an issue with live in, in general. But it was just – the challenges in live, it's kind of like, okay, play this same team, as you say, five to eight times, and it's the same – players for five games to earn the coins and the packs and it's just so repetitive and that that's what turned me off yeah what turns me off of the new ones is the fact that it's so repetitive uh, as far as like the challenges seem meaningless so what I, I actually did like live 16 ultimate team and nba 2k 15 my team the most probably in history for my team or ultimate team modes just because i went into it knowing that i was going to have to stay engaged right like i was going to have to stay engaged and there was a challenge um, the meaningless challenges in live ultimate team over the last couple of years for 2k18 and two, i mean live 18 and live 19 bummed me out mm. like they just completely bummed me out. There, so, there's so many games uh, to play like thousands of games to play in ultimate team in live 19 but they're all the same and you play the same team over and over again in each in each group of challenges repetitive yeah, gameplay, and, and because the gameplay isn't sharp either and there's like no authenticity, mm. you play like, you could spend like four or five hours sitting in front of NBA Live 19 Ultimate Team playing these like, these challenges that like they say, you know, you only play like two minutes and you're like, all you're doing is running to the hoop and scoring with whoever has the ball and it's on like a lower difficulty level and you're just scoring and then the computer plays stupid and unrealistic. It just doesn't feel like basketball. And there's no challenge to it or anything like that. I got I got turned off to Live 19 Ultimate Team immediately. Like, I just wasn't... It, it was not fun to me. And then they ruined jump shots and just every mode was kind of balked then. So it was, wasn't worth it. Right. But, and then Clyde Drexler and Doc Wilkins and these guys that you get because you try to get them, they, they can't even dunk because they didn't do the dunk packages. So you're, like, driving in with Clyde Drexler and he's, like, either not finishing, getting stopped, or, like, he won't even dunk. So it's like, what's what's fun with that when there's no authenticity? You've got to do it right. So. And once again, authenticity is the name of the game. So that has brought us to the end of this week's main discussion. So it's time to open up our mailbag, our uh, one of our favorite segments of the show each week, Derek. Yeah, and we have a lot of questions actually still um, hanging out there, uh, you know, that we can use on future episodes. But definitely keep asking them. This is one of my favorite um, parts of the show. We'd absolutely much prefer to have more questions than we need than uh, the no questions at all, so absolutely keep them coming. We will put them in reserve and open up the mailbag each and every week to pull a couple out and answer them. And this week we have a couple. Uh, I'm going to start on uh, one from Past Gen Sports Gaming on Instagram. Of course, you can send us questions there or any of our socials or in the forum. 
And the question, I uh, hope this isn't too touchy a subject, but thoughts on Ronnie 2K? It's going to be touchy. <laughs> uh, what does he actually do for the franchise and the community? Uh, is he kind of doing, playing his role uh, the right way? Uh, I'm not sure what he does. I only see him on Twitter often mocking and condescending fans who criticize the game. Uh, guys have touched on the need for better community leadership, and he's been in this position for a decade now, a little bit more actually. Uh, I'd like to hear this discussed. Uh, yeah. I mean, he has been there for a while, and we've talked about this before, of course, and some of the interactions with him that have left uh, uh, quite a sour taste in our mouths to uh, to see the way he's interacted with the community. My my understanding, Derek, is that he is not a community manager as such, although we have talked about this before, that he is, for all intents and purposes, in that role. Uh, he is, I, I believe, the official title is a digital marketer. Uh, he ends up uh, rubbing shoulders with celebrities and players, uh, promoting the game on on Twitter. He is kind of a face of the game see him you know they, they put his model in the uh in the, in the city or the neighborhood to model clothes and he's uh, streams the game blesses people quote unquote with uh, with pink diamonds and whatnot giving away codes if uh, if they pay to be part of his uh, twitch streams and whatnot so he's a hype man basically for the game uh, but i think absolutely and i, I think uh, we're both in, we're in agreement about this and i, I don't think it's a an opinion that's uh, too controversial or too uncommon, but but certainly, I don't think he has ruined the game. Obviously, because it does so well, but but I don't think he is a very good representative for the game because he he does treat fans quite honestly like crap a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, for Ronnie Two K, he he yeah he promotes the game, engages the community, and silences criticism. Those are his jobs, in my opinion. Those three. Yeah, um, yeah. And talk about the silencing of criticism, where you know he'll somebody will say something negative about the game, um, as far as hey, these are the ratings that somebody has, or they'll say something else, and he'll, you know, he'll jump with his over one million followers that he has. It's a big deal, you know, over one million followers on Twitter. He'll tweet out and say, well, that's not how it looks in my game, or you know, you're saying this, but that's already taken care of or, or something like that. And he'll try to silence the criticism. So I think that he wears several hats, but the main things with him is promote the game, engage the community and silence criticism. Um, if, you know, he's asked to do so. And I do think that he is, you know, asked to do so. So, um, I think the other thing too, and, and this is very important is while he is, um, negative and people like to rag on him, people like to rag on him right yeah he's yeah yeah, you know you can look at it as a negative and you can say oh you know oh look at the uh the memes of somebody saying f ronnie 2k and and you see those all the time under his twitter comments and all of that stuff that he makes in his twitter posts but again they like to rag on him and i don't think that he's as negative he i don't think he has as negative and is an impact as people would like to say do am i a fan of him absolutely not i'm not really a fan of him i think he's incredibly cocky um i think that he likes to show off rubbing shoulders with nba players etc i think that his silencing of criticisms is not in good faith uh the way that he does it and the way he lies at times when he when he does it which i've already pointed out several times um but at the same time i don't think that he negatively impacts the series and it hurts me to say that, but I, I just, I, I really don't think that he, he, he's a negative. You know, you bring up an interesting point there, and it's it's something I was thinking of uh, 
while you, while you were uh, mentioning a few of those uh, first points, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm reminded of an old episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway when Drew Carey was hosting, and there was a bit of banter back and forth, and uh, Colin Mockery uh, in uh, in jest said, uh, "I'll be your lightning rod of hate. I'll I'll absorb. You know, make fun of me, oh, guys. I'll I'll absorb it all." And that's kind of what Ronnie is, as you say, that, you know, there's the, he draws that negative attention, but it also kind of draws it away from the game, away from the developers, away from the suits who are making the decisions. I mean, Ronnie is not the one, I would imagine, saying, put all these microtransactions in the game. That, that is the higher-ups at uh, Visual Concepts at Take-Two. Uh, they're the ones making these decisions. Uh, the developers are the ones making the adjustments to to rosters and of course developing the game programming it coding it whatever but he he kind of cushions that blow for the rest of the company that and and i assume getting paid very handsomely to do so that he is that to use that colin mockery phrase that lightning rod of hate it all just comes to him and it it's i mean there's still a lot of negative attention directed at the game we've talked about the low metacritic scores the user scores before and and certainly comments on on our forum, on Operation Sports, Reddit, social media, Twitter, whatever. But he does draw that negative attention and kind of does cushion the game from perhaps even a worse reputation because it's kind of like he, he gives <laughs> gives the community someone to hate on to the point where it, it shifts from really getting into the nitty-gritty of the issues with microtransactions, the issues with lack of matchmaking and some of the things that a lot of people don't talk about because it just comes down to let's bash Ronnie. So it's, it's kind of, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of, a, it has, its, it has, its, he has a use in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough again. He, yes, he is a punching bag, but he's a punching bag that people like to punch. They like to do it. It's become a funny joke, right? That's the thing is, is, is Ronnie makes a post, you go on there and you get, and you rag on him. Like, you, you throw a couple punches at him and all of that stuff, and then you move on. He's definitely become um, kind of this, as opposed to... He's almost like a character now. And I agree with you that he absorbs In, in my career, he is. He does play himself in my career, basically. And he's a, he's a character, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people look at, look at him like that instead of looking at him as a human being as well. Um, I mean... I think that I, I agree with you where he can definitely soak up a lot of that criticism and he's used in, in that regard. You know, you see a lot of people in the comments, they say, Ronnie, fix your game. Ronnie, fix this. Ronnie, fix your game. And then there's fix some the people in the comments. They're like, yeah, uh, you realize that he's just a marketer, right? Like he's a direct marketer. Like he's promoting the game. He's, he's, he's not somebody who's a developer or working on the game or anything like that. Um, but you know, a lot of people don't, think about it at the time and they just associate ronnie 2k with nba 2k and then they go at him that way um but again i i need to emphasize this you can say oh well they're always ragging all people hate him or they're ragging on him they like to it's fun for them Hmm. like that's they, they they get their kicks off of it it's not really a negative really for the series or the game it's become this joke just to rag on ronnie well, that's and, that's uh, the thing. He has done and said things uh, in response to criticism from the community, questions from the community, the whole uh, we are more than a Barbie dress-up game, a day before they released a blog about shoes, no less, for 2K17. He's done a lot of things and said a lot of things over the years that really should have done more damage, and yet they haven't. Does that say something about us as a community? Possibly. But, but certainly there's a... He's Teflon. 
nothing stinks. No, absolutely. And and that's the thing, though, is once you've been there as long as he has and you've been this character and played this character for as long as he has, it's just become normal. And uh, like I said, it's it's normal for him to make those takes now, and it's normal for people to just go on there and rag on him. And people have just kind of accepted that as, as to, you know, as what it is. Um, but, you know, we talk about drama, drama, right? And we talk about James Harden, and we talk about the stuff that James Harden is pulling. How much do you think people love to rag on Harden? Oh, yeah. How yeah, much yeah. people, like, listen, people want to talk about it as a negative or negative attention and all of that stuff. People, the NBA loves this. Drama sells. Always has. The NBA, Always oh, my God. Yeah. The NBA loves this stuff with Kyrie. The NBA loves this stuff with Harden. They love the drama. They love all of this stuff. They, 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 they would rather have millions of people saying, James Harden, you're a selfish ball hog. You stink. You know, you're out of shape. You're fat. You know, you're, you're not showing up. They would rather have millions of people saying that than, than having nobody interacting, right? So it's still interaction. And, P- and the NBA loves that people rag on Harden and rag on Kyrie for not showing up and all that stuff. And that's the same thing. You know, I, I, I can guarantee you that NBA 2K doesn't look at Ronnie to the reactions to Ronnie 2K and the ragging on Ronnie 2K. I guarantee that they don't look at it as a big negative. I mean, Eric so, Bischoff wrestling personality promoter from back in the day had the saying controversy creates cash and we can see it with that being, I mean, so you can see what Ronnie 2K does. He's, He's a marketer, he's a face of the franchise, he's a punching bag, he's a lightning rod of hate, he's, uh, he's all these things, he's a distraction from issues, uh, he, he, he takes negative attention away from, from other people in the company, developers, suits, whatever, so, uh, and, and of course he does have those connections with celebrities, so he does still promote the game, he, he does give tidbits from time to time, he's a personality that 2K can use, that's basically what he does. With that being said, I think it would be very beneficial to 2k and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier earlier in the show about being transparent and being able to deliver that news that bad news and also to frame that bad news in a way that doesn't make the company look bad i do think they need a, a dedicated community manager to be a friendlier face to the community especially because 2k has lost a lot of goodwill with the with the community in recent years and and yes ronnie although he serves a purpose has done some damage in that regard so you kind of need to have someone to be the bad guy and someone to be the good guy, I think, which was kind of the way when Chris Manning was officially the community manager. So I, I do think that 2K does need that community manager that is that kind of can be the uh, the good guy to Ronnie's bad guy, perhaps, and, and certainly keep us informed more in a better way than they have so far. I, I think that would also be valuable to the, to uh, to both us and 2K. Oh, 100%. I do think that they need a more positive community manager, somebody who's more transparent and honest uh, and whatnot. But I also think that NBA 2K has this way about them, you know, the people that they put out in the community, is that they want their game to have an edge. They want their personalities to have an edge. They want people like Ronnie 2K to be showing off hanging out with the NBA players. Um, they want, um, the, you know, Dazar, the way he communicates also kind of has an edge and he talks about sin and all of that stuff. And he has, he's had long rants on social media and everything. Um, I think that NBA 2K also sees Ronnie as part of the culture and that edge Definitely. that NBA gives and, um, et cetera, the same way they do with Dazar, um, and, uh, you know, Chris Manning and whatnot. So 
to be completely honest with you, um, while we would love to have a different community manager uh, and somebody who was more positive and everything, I think that um, 2K loves what Ronnie brings to the table. Hasn't, so, hasn't, you know, hasn't, hasn't hurt the bottom line yet. And I think that is the, well, the bottom line. Oh, yeah, exactly. It definitely hasn't hurt their bottom line. Their sales increase every single year, and the biggest reason for that is because of a lack of a competitor, or like a true competitor and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, Ronnie2K is not hurting their bottom line at, at all. So. so the next question is from our good friend and uh, loyal listener, Mike MP3, the former, of course, uh, Mike Pichard on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, thank you for your question, and thank you to uh, Past Gen Sports Gaming for the uh, previous question, of course. Which modes are you guys enjoying most in NBA 2K21? Uh, do we have any plans for franchise mode? Uh, we've both been spending some time with 2K21. Uh, I might have been spending a little bit more time than, uh, than you recently, Derek, uh, with my team. But, uh, yeah, what have you, you been doing with uh, 2K21 when you've dabbled? So, as you, as you know, Mike, and anybody else who really follows me and the videos I upload, it, the majority of what I'm into is related to retro classic teams. And, as you know, the, the amount of work that it takes to make those teams play right and fill the rosters and all of that stuff is astronomical. It's, it's hours upon hours, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours, even just to make a dent in it. Um, so as far as franchise mode, we definitely, um, or my NBA as it's now called, my brother and I are looking into possibly editing the rosters to get to a point where we do like an ultimate classic teams, my NBA, where we put in, you know, we fill the default classic teams. We we make them play effectively and right, etc. Try to fill in some of the important missing players like Eddie House on the 0708 Celtics, and then you know jumping in and putting like the 0708 Celtics and the the 1011 uh, Mavericks and the you know the 0405 Suns and putting them all against each other in a my NBA and going against each other. The problem is, is, and the reason why we haven't started that is because what I just alluded to is the amount of work to fix these rosters and make those teams and players play right is just so much work uh, that we really haven't had the time had the time to like jump into it and and really make the roster worth playing in that setting. It is a lot of work. Are there actually thirty? I'm trying to trying to think. Is are there actually thirty uh, retro teams in the game by default? Oh, there's more. Oh yeah, there's plenty. There, yeah, we've already. Um, there's a couple of things so yeah there's plenty and we can do it without having like any like true duplicates like any major duplicates uh we've already kind of mapped that out but the other thing too is is as you know if you wanted to start with less teams and say we wanted to start with 24 we could do that oh of course yeah i keep forgetting that yeah absolutely of the game um so yeah i mean there's no matter what there's enough It, it just takes it's the amount of work to fix them up like and another thing too is you know we have these ideas of well instead of 76 77 sixers which have been in the the game forever you know maybe we want the 82 83 sixers so it's getting that structure in place too and and seeing if we can create like guys like andrew tony and make it look enough like him where we would um, appreciate how he looks on the court and everything so there's definitely a lot of moving parts uh do we have any interest in doing a season with now teams like the now NBA? Not really. And and the biggest reason is, is because my brother's favorite player is Russell Westbrook um, in the NBA now. And that wizards team is a nightmare. Uh, There's just not that interesting. Um, It's Westbrook and Beal. And I just don't think that he would enjoy using them for an entire season. And for me, I got to be completely honest with you. The only team that I would even be interested in using because of, the personnel and everything might be the Pelicans. 
I was going to say, I, I bet it, it, I, as you were saying, I'm, I'm saying, I bet Derek says the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be, that's because I like Zion Williamson. I'm Brandon Ingram is one of my favorite players and personalities in the NBA. He's kind of a throwback player, the way he, he plays and thinks and all of that stuff, um, et cetera. So maybe the Pelicans, but there isn't, honestly, the league is too watered down today there's too many poor teams for us to want to play against each other and use those teams for an entire you know for an entire season this evolved nba oh my god i I just don't understand how (laughs) anybody can say that this league isn't watered down with all the 30 40 50 point blowouts that are happening constantly and the lack of depth on these rosters and yeah, it just blows me away. But yeah, that's the reason why we haven't jumped into like a like a my NBA with now teams. I, th- I think we might have actually answered uh, a question from uh, a future question from Doctor Funk nineteen eighty four uh, at number theory nineteen eighty four on uh, on Twitter. Ask us uh, how we feel about the NBA season. I think we've, we've both got a very quick answer to that is not great um, <laughs> with the, with the blowouts and and so far. Uh, it's it's been hard to get into. We've, we've talked about that on podcasts and certainly on Holding Court, which uh, you can tune into, uh, episode 13 coming out very soon. Uh, yeah, I, I feel the same way. That being said, I have started, haven't played any games yet, but have made preparations for uh, my NBA with my beloved Bulls. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd like to dive back into that franchise experience. It's been a long time coming. I've been thinking of things I can do to maybe spice that up. I'm, I'm looking at signing uh, Jamal Crawford, as a free agent, so to kind of have a uh, a final run with him, because of course he started his career with the Bulls, uh, what twenty years ago now, actually, yeah, indeed, twenty years ago that he did. So, uh, looking at doing some things like that, much the same way as I spiced up my Live 06 dynasty by bringing uh, Kemp back as a, with reduced ratings, because of course uh, to, to account for no longer being in his prime. Uh, that's something I'm looking to do in my NBA with the Bulls. If I don't do that, I might actually consider the Hornets, because of course. Michael Jordan fan, um, love their branding. The, the Hornets have always had great branding, I feel. Uh, that would be a, another choice. Uh, but apart from that, I, I played through four seasons, uh, four full seasons at college, Derek, in uh, in my career. Yeah, I, I'm curious about that experience. Obviously, I haven't jumped into that. Um, but obviously, that was a nice added feature. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it sounds like you've had a pretty good time with it. I think, Like I said, I think that NBA 2K21 next-gen gameplay is significantly better. Than it's, it's been 2K- enjoyable. Well, there's, there's still those legacy issues that, that bug me, and as and we can go into those some other time, and I'm sure we will continue to discuss them in depth uh, in the forum and, of course, in shows to, uh, to come. Uh, but it, it is enjoyable enough, it, and it's certainly a step up over current-gen. It is a far more polished product. Uh, playing the four years at uh, college, in because uh, of course there's a trophy, and I do like I'm a sucker for going for trophies and achievements. Uh, in since the, the uh, concept has been introduced, but I thought, well, I want to do this at least once, and of course this is the first time we've been able to do it. And I, I wrote an article about it, wrote the Monday Tip Off article about it, and and you can definitely see why the previous my career stories have not had more than a year at college and just a handful of games because it certainly is a long slog. It gets a bit repetitive because there are only 10 teams in the game. Of course, you choose one of them, so there's only going to be nine opponents that you play over and over again through four years. Once, but still. Uh, it's... I, I did enjoy it. It, it. it was kind of a slog to get through. Um, the story The story is actually pretty good. The story is, I believe, the best... And I'll, I'll actually have some more articles about this and possibly even a video... I do think it is the best combination of a well-written story and 
uh, gameplay experience that we've had in my career so far since adopting the story-driven approach. I, I would ab absolutely say that it was very well done, uh, very well acted. Um, I, I chose to go against... Um, I chose to to fire the family friend as the agent and go with an established NBA agent, Derek. And uh, and when you you can gain and lose fans by doing certain things in uh, in my career. And during that scene, um, I I said, oh, "Look, Arch, I'm going to go with uh, Harper Harper Dell, the established NBA agent." And he's like, "No, please reconsider, reconsider." You know, spoiler alert, people. But um, <laughs> it's a my career story. Uh, and he's you know, please reconsider. And I said. Sorry, I'm going with uh, Harper, and it pops up fans minus one, and I was like, "Oh, it was kind of it actually got me. It actually got me. It was, it was and it was well acted. The, the story well written, well acted. Um, so it was kind of cool uh, playing the four years because it's it's basically like being able to play uh, you know a college career. It's like it's like having a uh, a college game again to play a career mode in. So it was it was definitely very different. Uh, I, I think it could have done a better job of being able to give you more progress and get a bit higher with your overall rating um with uh, playing those four years i was a bit disappointed with the lack of lack of progress that allowed you to make i i think you should have been a lot uh, you know you should be able to develop a lot more playing those four 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 years in college but it was definitely a, a fun experience no i have a question about that because i don't play that mode or anything do they allow you to exit like like let's say you have a, a good performance in year one do you get contacted by the nba to like enter the draft or do you get to make a choice of, hey, I want to be eligible for this year's draft? Or is this something where um, if you're not performing to a certain level, you don't really have the option to declare? Uh, no, you, can, you, you, yeah, uh, you, you can declare for the draft at the end of each year. There's also a skip story and skip to the draft option once you get to that point of the story this year. Um, but now that they've actually given you the option to end uh, – to, to, to leave at the end of each year or to continue to play the whole four years or you can play two years or three years or one year or whatever, uh, it do, you do actually have the choice at the end of each season. The coach comes up and talks to you, obviously not at the end of the fourth season, that's your senior year, that's the end of it, but at the end of um, uh, freshman, sophomore and junior season, junior year, they will the coach will come up and say, what, what is your decision? And it, the story branches accordingly to your, uh, your decision. But the, on... On next gen, this is of course of current gen. It's just one season, one and done, just like previous other, you know, or previous other uh, stories. So you do actually have the choice, and so you can look at your draft stock and which teams are interested in you. So if you haven't been perform uh, performing particularly well, uh, it might be riskier, and you might not get. Uh, I think you can actually because there's also a G League path. You can go through the G League instead. I th I think there is actually a kind of a game over scenario, but you really got to work and go out of your way to perform badly to get the game over scenario or the, or the, the you know, kind of like a bad ending to it or bad beginning to your NBA career, whatever. But you can actually choose in the next gen version uh, to, uh, to, to stop at any time to either skip the story and go to the NBA or to play through to the end of the year and then declare. So it's, it's, that was quite interesting to actually have that option. And of course I, I felt that uh, as it starts to get, become a bit repetitive, I actually did feel like, Oh, maybe I should just declare, but no, no, I'm not going to do this again. I want to play other modes. I want to play my NBA. I want to play my team. So I'll, I'll get through this. I'm going to play all four years. So I had to, <laughs> had to resist the temptation to uh, declare early. But you do actually get the choice. And that was very cool to do this year, which is why I, I did really like that. Yeah, sounds like it's well-structured um, and well-thought-out. So, yeah, I, I think that... I think that it's that's always going to hold the place now. And, you know, we talked about NBA Live 22 and whatnot. They need to come out with something that gives people 
uh, a good experience in that regard. Um, I think that, you know, we talked about the one and we talked about how, um, you know, they, they, that we thought they did a pretty good job with that mode mode and all of that stuff, but they could still do a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and one thing I did like about it, the, the, as I said, the combination of the gameplay and the story experience, there were some parts that were on rails and a bit of a dissonance between what was happening on the court. But it, there's a really great antagonist in the form of Alex Williams, the influencer journalist who ends up uh, getting involved with you and in your career, and and they have a bit of a falling out with her, and she's trying to uh, wield her influence. She's it's such great commentary on the, the talking heads that you and I and influencers that really bother us. So it was a really good skewering and commentary on the on those personalities that really like to wield their influence and, and, and delight in making and breaking careers rather than just reporting. They're trying to you know, uh, be kingmakers, so to speak, um, and, and whatnot. So I really enjoyed her as an antagonist uh, and, um, and and some of those scenes. And I, it, it, pushed, it pushed my buttons, Derek. I felt like I want to prove her wrong. And, I, I, <laughs> and there's, a, there's a situation where she, after she kind of turns on you, where you have a choice to do an interview with her, and I decided, okay, I'm going to play her game, and I, I will do the interview rather than decline, because then it's going to she's going to keep trying to tank my stock by talking down to me, talking down about me, or Junior, my avatar. So there was, it felt like there were impactful decisions. Yes, the story was on rails to a certain extent, but being able between being able to go for goals, uh, declare at the end of each year, or skip to the draft if you really wanted to skip the story and also have some meaningful story branching decisions and, and things that would affect your popularity and draft stock as far as interacting with her as the antagonist. There, there, there was more choice than years past. So that's what I enjoyed. I, I think it was the best implementation, the best written story, one of the best written stories, uh, one of the best antagonists, one of the most likable protagonists to put, to, you know, get into the, uh, the shoes of. And, actually being able to have that implementation of the RPG mechanics and a good story and story branching and an experience that was, yes, on rails to a certain extent, but not too much so, I think it is the best implementation of the story-driven approach to my career so far. I really did think it was... I was quite impressed with it. Yeah, what would you uh, what would you call Greg Anthony and my interaction with him, with my toe-to-toe um, interaction with him on Twitter? Uh, yeah, that. Uh, yeah. So that, that's, that was something. Just call him a show. I guess at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's that's Jay Williams in Live Nineteen level of uh, of shilling, quite frankly. Yeah, the, yeah. The, that, that's what I was thinking of, by the way, when I was go, in that back and forth with Greg Anthony. I was thinking that this sounds an awful lot like Jay Williams. Yeah. Uh, that's actually, that's actually another great thing about the uh, Alex Williams character in uh, in the micro story is that she really represents that talking head the influencer that is that has an incredibly massive ego but also a very fragile ego at the same time and i think we see that a lot with talking heads these days yeah exactly and and, then after i made the point that i called out uh and rock saw it too um i think he, he posted a meme after that said like something like checkmate or something like that um but i proved that he contradicted himself and that he was making no sense, and then he just like stopped responding to me. Just peaced out. Did he, did he, um, didn't block you? Didn't yeah, block you? Didn't block me. Huh? Well. Didn't block me. I, I, some of these guys, I think some of these guys that if it's pretty clear that the person they're talking to is kind of 
like got him. Well spoken as well, like, yeah. Yeah, well spoken, well thought out, which I was in those responses. Um, and I laid out the big picture and all of that stuff. I think that a lot of these guys, um, including remember Dazar and, and those people that I tagged on that roster thread. Um, I think a lot of these guys, when they see that something's well thought out, proven, um, et cetera, I think that they won't block you. Mm. I think that some, they won't admit that they got one up. They won't admit that there was a got moment or anything like that, but they'll just kind of like, let it go at that point. And I think that's what happened with Greg Anthony. So. And so the final thing I've been doing, uh, both on PC and, uh, PS five is, uh, my team. I've been enjoying that, uh, getting into a bit of uh, the, uh, domination mode and playing through that as well as the triple threat, uh, offline and the challenges going through the season mode, getting XP, getting the different rewards and all the challenges uh, associated with the different cards, playing some, uh, the spotlight challenges, moments, challenges and whatnot, just enjoying, Enjoying doing a bit of everything in 2K21, actually, Derek. Uh, playing some my team, uh, getting through that my career and, and seeing the story through and seeing what it was like and quite enjoying that and doing something different with the four years in college. Uh, starting this my NBA in the PS5 version with the Bulls and, and hopefully going with that or the second option of the, the Hornets, perhaps. Uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Try, trying to do a bit of everything. I, I feel I've been getting a lot out of uh, both the PC and originally PS4, but now PS5 version of uh, 2k21 and it's uh, it has its issues obviously on both current gen and uh next gen but yeah I, I have had fun with it i'm still playing the game quite regularly so yeah and it's been great to to to, to dabble with everything to dip my toe in the water of everything because i feel like with previous years i've got so wrapped up in uh the nba side of my career and just playing it through and trying to set records and get to the hall of fame and and playing online which i've not really been doing except for a couple of uh challenges for and whatnot for uh, for my team, and usually only triple threat uh, online with the very quick games, uh, avoiding pro am basically. Although I, I will dive into it on current on next gen uh, just to see what it's like compared to current gen, but avoiding that scene, doing some things a little bit differently this year, trying the, trying more other modes, more of my team, getting back into my NBA and the uh, the franchise experience. Uh, it's been good. It's been refreshing. I think it's kept two K twenty one, despite some of my quibbles with the game. It's, it's kept it uh, much fresher than previous years and uh yeah kept it interesting kept it enjoyable so it's uh it's been a pretty good year for me so far yeah i'd say i got my money's worth like i said yeah, that on same. a prior podcast i already already feel worth. that yeah 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 and the same with um my brother i think he would agree because we're about um oh well i guess that is not my nba experience so so to answer your question mike my brother and i are 30 um 30 games into a my nba right now actually but we're playing on the same team and we do what we've been doing since, you know, the mid-90s. And, you know, we put the best NBA players in NBA history um, for each position, uh, whether you think they are or not, um, but they against regular NBA teams. And we've been, you know, I think we have an average margin of victory of like 90 points per game. But it's just something fun and relaxing that we do. And we just have a blast with it, blowing out the regular teams. And it's like we have... Our starting lineup is Will Chamberlain at center, Bill Russell at power forward, Larry Bird at small forward, Michael Jordan at shooting guard, and Magic Johnson at point guard. And then, you know, on the bench we have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, the Barkley that I created, uh, Julius Irving, Kobe Bryant, and Clyde Drexler. And so we run those two lineups, and it's, you know, it's all about, you know, what stats we could achieve, how much we can beat the computer by, all of that stuff. So we are 30 games into a My NBA right now on next gen so yeah so we are we actually are playing and 
see, we, we can enjoy the games. We can be positive. See, that's the thing is, I, uh, and I know people get that when they listen to these podcasts and everything is that we're very realistic, right? We don't want, you know, there is no, oh, it's 2K, let's hate everything that 2K does or anything like that. We can be honest about the positives about the games and everything, and I, th- I feel like we're pretty good and transparent with that. Except for uh, Bill Lemby's Combat Basketball, that game sucks. That game is terrible. I mean, the thing is, though, is that we still have some memories with it. Yeah. Um, we can laugh at it. Because, <laughs> we can laugh at it. Yeah, can, if anything, at least you can laugh at it. It's just not a good basketball game by any means. So Stay tuned, for, of course. I've already covered that in Wayback Wednesday, but stay tuned for the Wayback Wednesday on Jamit. I'm going to have to do a video on that, Derek. I, I, look, I'm, I'm proud of my writing. I feel like I do some pretty good written articles and retrospectives, but you have to see that game in action. I don't think I have the words. I don't think anyone has the words to do that game justice. I have to show that game in action to show people just how terrible that is. I think Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball might actually have more gameplay that makes more sense. I know that sounds unbelievable for me to say that. Um, I'm not going to fight <laughs> anybody not, it's on not a cardboard, it. But... It's not a cardboard cutout flying through the air like Jammit. That's terrible. It's just really weird. Yeah, that game is very strange. I can see yeah. what they were doing, and I'll get into it more when I do, actually do the article, or, the, or, or indeed the video on it. Um, yeah, they looked at what Mortal Kombat was doing with uh, digitized actors and said, we can do that, and they couldn't do it. <laughs> they could not pull that off at all. But um, no, we do enjoy basketball gaming, so it's... Uh, uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, uh, MP3. Uh, yeah, fun to uh, fun to end on a... Uh, talking about what we've been doing, because we, we don't do the uh, Our Week in Basketball Gaming segment uh, that often anymore. So uh, yeah, it's good to check in. Yeah, I do want to let you know too, Mike. If you want to say, well, you know, it's thirty games. You know how many, you know, how long, you know, how many hours you're putting into the game. Though is we are doing twelve minute quarters too. Like these are full forty eight minute games. And I also save the highlights, so I have like um, Elgato on, and I'm saving highlights throughout the games and stuff. I need to put a video up on YouTube. But yeah, where if you you want to talk about money's worth. So if you talk about thirty games, forty eight minutes long. Um, you know, including files and all that stuff right there, just in that season, you know, we've probably put in what 40 hours, Mm. 40 to 45 hours, just in gameplay. Um, and you know, if you look at the price of the game, it's roughly what, maybe three trips to the movies. If you want to talk about like movie or entertainment. So like I said, I, I, like we've, we've definitely got our money's worth with the game. I think I've got about 65, 66 hours on PC plus, uh, several more on, you know, at least that and probably more on both PS5 and PS4. So, yeah, definitely got my money this year. And that's, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we're always going to have our complaints and our suggestions of how to make things better, but as long as we can get enjoyment out of a game any given year, it's, uh, I mean, that, that's the bare minimum you want. And I think I've got more than the bare minimum, so I'm uh, I'm happy with that. Oh, no, absolutely. I um, mean, yeah, I think I'm at 50 hours on PC, 50 or 60, so... Still, uh, still lags behind my fall at New Vegas, but I've had a lot of plagues through with that, and uh, of course I have to mention that. You know, I've probably spent, you know, I've probably spent more hours than that on uh, Bart versus Space Mutants, and I still haven't finished that game because it's there's not enough hours, there's not enough hours in the history of time to finish that goddamn game. But uh, in any case, had to get had to get it in this week. Plus, you got caught playing that too, and just appreciating everything about it. So pausing the game, the thing, just, just listening to the Simpsons theme over and over that. again. No, it doesn't get old after the 56th loop. No, of course it doesn't get old. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that has brought us to the end of episode number 358 of the NLC podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed getting together and talking about our favorite subject again, or one of our favorite subjects, basketball video games. 
The show, of course, comes out every week on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com, also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, and all the major podcast apps. If you'd like to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, we would definitely appreciate it. Uh, hopefully a five-star review if you feel that way. Feel free to either just leave a rating or a review. It definitely helps stroke our ego. And, of course, with the promotion of the show uh, on those podcast apps, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. As we always say, as long as you're tuning in and enjoying the show every week, that is the main thing. And with that being said, Derek, it's uh, it's time for plugs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do plan on recording Holding Court with Deep for Three on episode 13 tomorrow. Um, I'm looking at a few houses today, and um, so I, I don't have time to do it today. But we'll be talking about the Brooklyn Nets trade you know Harden, Kyrie and Kevin Durant coming together and how we think that's going to work um and talking about you know Gilbert Arenas and stuff that he said on the No Chill Gill uh podcast which is just mind-blowing stuff so we'll be talking about that stuff hopefully tomorrow and releasing that episode tomorrow um so make sure to tune in for that i'm on twitter at d for 384 i'm on the nlsc uh d for three as a team member over there and then i'm also on youtube as well uh d for three and of course, I'm on the NLSC, as I said at the top of the show, Andrew in the forum. If you need to get in touch with me for anything, you'll also see me in the forum talking about uh, things, mostly basketball gaming, obviously. I'm on Twitter at AndrewNLSC. Uh, please connect with the NLSC on social media as well. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. On Instagram, NLSC Basketball. YouTube is NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>